some of the cancel culture is getting canceled. Some people are finally figuring out this, this is Looney Tunes. This, this, but, it, but it's beyond Looney Tunes. They are literally trying to cancel the church. They're literally trying to cancel all that we hold dear. And, 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 and they used to just wait around waiting for us to die, but now they're trying to kill us. Uh, they're trying to hurry it along. They think the church won't be, won't be around in 10 years. I'm going to know after seeing this up here, that this church is going to be around for a long time. Long after I'm gone, long after some of you are gone, this church is going to be just fine. Say hallelujah. So our just rewards are coming, but this is going to be the year of blessing. And what the Lord, and this is, Listen, it's going to take about three Sundays to get through all this, but I want you to understand that blessing is something you can do, and you have the power to bless, but blessing is not what you think it is necessarily. And if I can get you to think differently about this, it's going to change this church completely. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your family. It's going to change your home life. It's going to change everything when you understand the true meaning of blessing. Wow. Before we get into this, the scripture that I really love is when Abraham sent his sir, Abraham, a type of the father, sent his servant, a type of the Holy Spirit, to go find a bride, you are the bride, we are the bride, for his son, who is a type of, the only one left, Jesus. That wasn't too hard. So we got this beautiful picture, but it's really cool that the servant went out with ten camels. Ten, the number of organization. Ten, the number of the church. And he went out with these camels fully loaded with gifts for the bride. So they're loaded with gifts, and he's trying to find a bride. You know the story. I won't spend a lot of time on it. He goes to the well, and he's trying to find, and he prays, God. How do I know who the bride is? And, and, and the servant, the Holy Spirit with the camels, prayed, God, let it be that the woman who's willing to water the camels. Now, listen, she didn't have a pump. And, when, and a camel drinks a lot of water, and there's 10 of them. This would, like, take all morning pulling up bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket. You know, my question is, why isn't this guy helping the poor woman? That's my question, but anyway. She, she volunteers to water the camels. Why is this important? I think that, I think that the servant, the Holy Spirit, is looking for a bride that has the same heart as Jesus has. Oh. He's looking for someone who's willing to water other people. He's looking for someone who's willing 
to be a servant. He's not looking for someone who says, ooh, look at all the shiny stuff on the camel. Bless me, Lord. I want this and give me this and give me that and give me, give me, give me that. He's not looking for a church that comes complaining. He's not looking for a bride that's only looking out for herself, who, get, who gets upset when she's not the center of attention. He's looking for a bride who's willing to work, sacrifice, pull up water from the well. Listen, there's plenty of water, but you have to be willing to pull it up from the well. You have to be willing to pray and fast and seek the Lord and bring up wells of waters. Jesus said, as I'll say later, Jesus said, there is a well in you. We just have to learn how to release that. Come on, bride of Christ. He's looking for someone who has the same heart. Doesn't it make sense if you're going to marry someone that they need to have the same heart? That's who God's looking for. He's not looking for a people just to bless, but he's looking for a people who know how to bless. Who know how to be there for others. Wow. First Peter t- talks about this in chapter 4 and verse 17 in the last days. For the time is ripe for judgment to begin in God's own house. Wow. And if it starts with us, what will be the fate of those who refuse to obey the gospel? Judgment has begun in God's house. That's why churches are closing. That's why churches are dying. That's why churches don't have any young people. That's why churches are where they're at because judgment has begun. And COVID was part of that. Anyway, we could talk about that a long time. But we need to understand the meaning then of being this bride and being this servant, what it means to be blessed because when we say, I got a blessing, what we're saying is, I got a bonus. <laughs> I have a good feeling. I've had favor. God gave me something. And all that's a blessing. That's true. But a, a blessing is not just something you get. The Hebrew word for blessing is barach. And it means means to speak the intention of God, to speak larger or well of. Listen, to speak the intention of or favor of God on someone. Watch this now. In other words, it's like saying, may the Lord grant all of his intentions on you. To bless somebody is not just to give them a check. To bless them is not just to say, I'm praying for you. Or give them a hug. A true blessing is when you pray God's intention upon them. 
When you pray whatever God has for you, I'm praying he gives it to you. And what does it mean for God to bless us? It means, it means, wow. When God blesses you, it means that God's perfect will has come into our lives. You can get, you know, a dollar here, a dollar there, a blessing here. You know, I was blessed. God healed me. Yes, but you don't understand. All the blessings of God come because he's trying to fulfill his purpose in you. His only purpose for blessing you is to make you more like Jesus. How do we bless people? We bless people. Watch this. By first of all trying to figure out God's destiny for them and then pray it on them. What if we all started doing that? This is gonna, it's going to take three weeks for this to blow your mind, but I'm willing to spend the time. What if we got to the place where we started blessing people, not just, you know, not, not just being nice, but blessing them by saying, whatever God has for you, I'm for that. Whatever it is, whatever, even if it affects me, whatever God has for you, that's what I want for you. Be blessed. Be blessed means to be godly. To be blessed is to be in the center of God's will. To be blessed is to be happy. To be blessed uh, is to have all that God has meant for you. I, I know it's not connecting yet. You're not excited about it yet, but it's going to happen. It's going to change you as you begin to find ways to do that. And instead of just saying, bless, you know, someone sneezes, God bless you. By the way, do you know where that came from? It's old. It came from the Middle Ages the, during the Black Plague because sneezing was the first symptom of the Black Plague. And by the way, the Black Plague was a lot worse than COVID. <laughs> we're, talking, we're, we're comparing death with a cold here. I mean, it's, it's hor it was horrible. And, you know, you broke out and... and uh, and if you if you if you if you were going to die, you were dead within three days. So that when someone sneezed, they would say, "God bless you," and it was a prayer, because what they were saying is, "I hope to see you in three days." And what they were saying is, "May God's perfect will be upon your life." And if you're not meant to die, you're not going to die. And you're going to get through this by God's grace. And when they said, God bless you, they meant it. God bless you. And that little saying has survived for, for 700 years. That saying, we're still saying it, but now we need to get back to its original meaning and it needs to have purpose again instead of just saying, God bless you. That's just something nice to say. 
But we need to understand that sickness is not meant to be in our lives. And when we say, God bless you, we mean may your body restore its health and be back to where it's supposed to be in the way God created it to be. God bless you. Say amen. Jeremiah 29 and 11. Y'all know this scripture, but very few of you know the context of it. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. There's the blessing right there. But the context was, this was, Jeremiah's writing this to people who are now living in Babylon in captivity. They had lost their homes. They had lost their homeland. They had lost the promised land. They had lost their temple. Remember I preached that message. They're hanging their harps in the willows. And how can we sing the song of the Lord in a foreign land? And they were changing their name. And now they were slaves. And Jeremiah comes along and says, God hasn't forgotten you. God comes along and says, I know where you're living. I know you're living in Babylon. But I haven't forgotten that I have a... I have a dream for you. I have hopes for you. I have plans for you. Amen. And though you're living in Babylon, I'm going to take care of my people. Give him praise. Amen. Woo. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. Mm. Let's illustrate this by going to the first blessing. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. How many are still here? That God. Okay. First mention, right? The law of first mention. God blessed them. How did he do that? God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves, uh, moves on the earth. Three things real quick. Reproduce. In other words, multiply the life of Christ that's in you. In other words, the first blessing is God says, I'm putting something in you, and I want you to multiply it. Out of your innermost being shall gush rivers of living waters. So whatever you, so that you have much to bless people with if you understand that you're just reproducing, multiplying what God put in you in the first place. And number two, he says, enlarge. In other words, that means that we need to steward the garden. We need to steward the things that God gives us. We need to be responsible with everything God gives us in life and steward that. Let it grow. Let it multiply. Let it continue. Let let it be a blessing to other people. We're not in this for ourselves. And thirdly, prosper. Prosper. One person said it like this, to take up space, (laughs) to fill. We don't know how large the garden was, but I believe their job was to enlarge it, to multiply what was there, to, to steward what was there, and to fill. God's giving you, listen, we haven't even filled so much of what God has already given us. Let me say it another way. How many of you are actually living up to all the sermons we've preached over the last? Help us, Jesus. 
So that's the blessing of God. In fact, you know, God puts three rivers in the garden to make it happen. He placed a river in us as well, John 7, 38. We already quoted that a couple times. Look at Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25. I'm not going to be much longer. Are you okay? The generous soul will be made, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Wow. So then you see, we have, listen, let, let's, let's, let's wrap this up with this. And like I said, we'll break this down as we go forth. And you're, you're really going to be blessed because <laughs> you're going to be right in the center of God's will when you figure this stuff out. But Genesis chapter 32, let's go to Genesis 32. And you know the story of Jacob. What does his name mean? Trickster, deceiver. I just like that, you know. Hey, trickster, come home for dinner. Hey, deceiver, go to bed. <laughs> that was his name because that was his character. And we are living in an age and a time where manipulation is the game. Politics, industry, I don't care what the subject is, social things, it's all, it's, all about, it's all about manipulation. It's even in the church. It's kind of subtle, but they kind of teach pastors how to manipulate people. My job is not to control you. My job is to release you. In the garden, God told Adam to name the animals, not tame the animals. I'm sorry to refer to you as animals, but you understand what I'm saying. It's not my job to tame you, to find ways to manipulate and control situations. It's my job to name you. That's blessing. If I can name you, that means that we identify your destiny and who God made you to be. And if I can do that, if I can find that place in you, I won't have to tame you. Because you will have found your purpose and you'll have joy and peace. There'll be unity in the house of God as each one of us find our individual destinies and where we fit in the body of Christ. But too many churches, too many pastors are just trying to control people, trying to trick them into peace, trying to manipulate the congregation so that it becomes what they want it to become when they really are called to bless the congregation so that it becomes who God wants them to be, not who the pastor thinks they ought to be. Does that make sense? Are you good? This is more teaching than preaching, but are you getting it this morning? Oh, good. Oh, good. Genesis 32. Let's go to that. You never did find the other one. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him, which isn't always a good thing. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp, and he called the name of that place Mahanamein, whatever that is. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir. Remember, he stole Esau's birthright. 
He was a manipulator, right? In the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my Lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. That was where he had been for 14 years. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male, female servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. In other words, he's seeking for reconciliation, forgiveness. He had prospered through manipulation, but he knew he could never be restored until he makes it right with Esau. He had been blessed with material things, but he's not anywhere near where God wants him to be. And he knows he has to make it right. The messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau, and he also was coming to meet you. Oh, good. And he's got 400 men with him. Well, there's that. This is going to be the end or the biggest party we've ever had. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herbs and cam- herb, herds and camels, maybe herbs too, uh, in, in, into, two, into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and taxes it, then the other company which is left will escape. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. Mm -hmm. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I've become two companies. I've been split. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, God, here's what you said. Do you ever tell God that? God, you said, I I will surely treat you well. And make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And I can't have that if he kills me. Uh So he lost there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls. 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. That's a small fortune. In fact, it's everything he had. Then he delivered them the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, when Esau, brother, meets you and asks you, saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind. Remember, he stole Esau's birthright. Now he's blessing him. Then you, so he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, in this manner, you shall speak to Esau when you find him. 
And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. This is about reconciliation. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. And he rose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Wow. And watch this. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Hallelujah. Y'all know this story? And when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. God needs to get some of us out of joint. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Let's just stop right there. I won't let you go until you bless. Looks like he is blessed. But he got all that through manipulation. Now he wants a blessing. He wants reconciliation. He wants to be back in the land where he's supposed to be. He wants, he wants to be back in the family where he belongs. He wants his children to grow. He wants, he wants God's perfect will. God, will you bless me? And I won't let go until you bless me, my God. Instead of cursing Esau, now he's blessing Esau. Listen, too many times our reaction to people is a curse. Not cussing, I said cursing. To curse means to wish evil, to wish something bad, to call them a name, to be angry at. I know that doesn't apply to anybody here. But how many times, how do we react when someone attacks? How do we react? Did not Jesus say, bless them that curse you and despitefully use you? Bless them. Now you know what bless them means. It means you know, you know, people do things, we'll, we'll break this down, but people do things like, you know, I, I know we, we go by places like we might go by a pregnancy, pregnancy center and say, I curse that in Jesus' name. Is that really what you're supposed to do? Let me ask you a question. Is that really the purpose of that building? So why don't you bless that building in Jesus' name and say, God, I pray that that building goes back to its purpose because it wasn't built for that. It's not supposed to be that. And I pray that that building goes back to its purpose. And all of a sudden, they go out of business and somebody buys it for a church building. You didn't curse them. You blessed them to restore to where they're supposed to be. Instead of cursing your enemies, we need to find ways to bless our enemies. 
It takes practice. It's not easy. And yet, Jesus requires us to bless those who hate us. Now, you need to stop for a moment. Just think. There's people you haven't even met. People in politics. That all you want to do is curse. When God says, yeah, they're out of God's will, bless them. They're not, be, they're not obeying God. They're in rebellion. Bless them. Don't, it doesn't mean help them to be worse than they are. Blessing means to, to, to pray for them in such a way that they're restored to where they should be in God. To bless them is to restore them to the original created image and purpose that God had for them. And when we start blessing people like that, our world around us will begin to change much faster than if we try to curse everything around us. Does that make sense? Wow. So we need to learn. This is going to be the year of blessing because we're going to learn what blessing is. We're going to learn how to do it. We're going to learn how to receive it from God. And we're going to learn how to bless each other. <laughs> and I'm absolutely, it's going to take a year to deal. I'm not going to preach on this every Sunday for a year. But how many know it'll come up a lot? And as you begin to practice it, it's going to change your life. It's going to change everyone around you. It may change your spouse. <laughs> I'll take that as a blessing, not a curse. Okay, it's a blessing. It may change your children. It may change your adult children. It, it may change your workplace where everyone else is cursing and talking about how bad everything is and you come in all, bless this building. This business is meant to prosper and be a blessing so that we can all prosper and be blessed. So I bless my, 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 uh, I bless my employer. I bless his family. I, I bless this business and everything about it so that it's successful. And it doesn't abuse workers, but it blesses workers. You see what I'm saying? Do you begin to see that if we could restore image... God's image and destiny to our lives. What a blessing. This is going to be the year of the camel. I see the camels coming. They're loaded. Hallelujah. They are loaded with gifts. They're loaded with blessing. And they're coming to seek a bride for these last days. And it's time that we understand blessing and what it means to be part of the bride of Christ. Can you give him praise in the house? <laughs> 